everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you on this fine, fine day? Hey, Alan. I am doing great, buddy. I am so excited that this episode, or at least part of it, takes place in our very own hometown, the city we're currently in, Indianapolis. There you have it. There was a lot about this episode that was familiar to me because of that. Uh, you know, I've been to Chris's apartment many times. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But anyway, no, uh, you're, you're exactly right. We're based here in Indianapolis, uh, which is what, I don't know, maybe 50, 80 minutes, somewhere like that, north of Pawnee. As the crow right? flies. Yeah. 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 As the crow flies. Well, that new highway makes it getting there a lot faster. So I really nice. wish they'd put in the monorail. Uh, yeah, that would be terrific. Yep. I, I know that the, those who commute from Pawnee to Indianapolis every day would really appreciate that. Those three would love it. <laughs> those three guys and gals. Well, Mark, today is Indianapolis, which is season three, episode six. This first aired on February 24th of 2011 and came in at a whopping 2121. Wow. Yeah. This episode was written by Katie Dippold. Uh, we've talked about Katie before. This is her yep. fourth of seven episodes that she ultimately wrote. Uh, she's associated with Mad TV, uh, Parks and Rec, of course. She's got a couple uh, movies coming out. She She's written mm. some in the past. She wrote the Ghostbusters reboot, mm -hmm. which, which, which I liked, actually. I, I don't think some other people did, but, you know, I don't like those people. I actually haven't seen it yet. I, I, I would like to, though. I recommend it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the folks who are in it... Uh, are That's very, a great very cast. funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A great cast. Yeah. And I thought it was actually pretty creative. Uh, Katie's also going to be writing the reboot of Haunted Mansion and uh, a follow up to Heat, another Melissa McCarthy uh, vehicle. So, oh, nice. Yeah. This episode was directed by Randall Einhorn. Uh, of course, we've talked about him before. Uh, I think once is the second of five episodes that he directs. But he started off as a cinematographer doing all that cool outdoor sports, you know, kind of crazy first person cinematographer type stuff. And then moved on to The Office and then Parks and Rec, Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, The Muppets reboot. And then that show with Caitlin Olson, The Mick. So there you have it. Interesting career path. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Yeah. Mark, should we get into our synopses for this episode? Should we ever? Oh, I can't wait. All right. I'm going to I'm going to really test the judge's patience here, Alan, uh -oh. because this was an interesting one because I could either break this up into two or six or anywhere in between. So I'm going to go with three. <laughs> oh, I don't get a choice here. No, this is not the Allen show. This is, well, yeah, it is, but, but well, I, it's it, only partially. This is my yeah. segment. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to choose two. I'm, I'm intrigued by this. And I'll give my explanation uh, as I, as I go enough. along. All right. So the A story, <laughs> the A story, which I called uh, commendations and cheating and stakes. Oh, my. <laughs> I see, like I, see what I did there? I do. Um, that wasn't even Constantine's. That was mine. Um, Where is he today? You know what? He has been uh, working on a secret project that I'm going to make mention of later. Oh, oh, well, I'm, I'm intrigued to learn about this. I, I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. No. So the A story, commendations and cheating and stakes. Oh, my. Leslie and Ron head up to Indianapolis, our hometown, to receive a commendation at the Indiana State House for reestablishing the Pawnee Harvest Festival. Ron, however, is only interested in eating at Charles Mulligan's Steakhouse, his favorite restaurant. Ann tells Leslie her last talk with Chris reassured her their relationship was fine, but he's been acting distant since then. She asked Leslie to look for signs of whether Chris is cheating on her since he has returned to Indianapolis. 
Leslie and Ron visit Chris's apartment where Leslie discovers bum, 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 a woman's razor and pink swimming cap in the bathroom. Upon hearing this, Anne decides to drive up to Indianapolis to confront Chris. To Ron's horror, Mulligan's Steakhouse has been shut down by the health department. So Chris invites everyone back to his place for food. But to Ron's further horror, Alan, Chris prepares vegetarian dishes. Ron threatens to pass out in hunger and despair. And to top all of this off, Alan, Anne shows up and demands an explanation for the razor swimming cap and him being so distant. Oh, my gosh. What will happen? How will Chris explain what is going on? Will Leslie receive her commendation? Does Leslie murder Chris before or after the commendation? Can Ron recover from the Mulligan Steakhouse debacle? Will Ron find a suitable alternative? Stay tuned and find out. Dot, dot, dot. All right. Well, very good. So far, we have the same A story. So, see, I so I could have made so the... We're going to diverge, <clears throat> and I'm curious how. So yeah. We could have had the argument that there are up to three, in my opinion, there are up to three subplots in that A story. Well... Because you got sure. commendation, you got steakhouse, and you yeah. got... Chris cheating yeah, on Anne. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right. So here's the B story. Yep. Uh, is not quite so clever. I said, uh, Tommy Fresh, comma, dating when broke, comma, now get this, Ben with friend of fits. Huh? Does the last part save it? I'm intrigued. All right. <laughs> All right. That's a safe answer. All right. Tom is attending a launch party for cologne maker Dennis Feinstein at the Snake Hole Lounge, where Tom hopes to pitch his own cologne. Tommy Fresh. Since Ben's job requires him to move a lot, he turns down the invitation, not wanting to get too attached to anybody. However, Ben relents when Tom invites him again at Leslie's urging. Meanwhile, April and Andy are now dating, and April suggests they go to Tom's launch party. When they get there, Andy becomes bummed out, realizing he's broke and unable to buy anything. He's embarrassed to admit this to April. Tom approaches Dennis, who insults Tommy Fresh and quickly dismisses Tom. Tommy Fresh. Oh my gosh. How will this turn out? Have Tom's perfumery dreams been destroyed? Will Andy admit he is flat broke? Is Ben really one of the gang or is the gang just being polite? What will April and Andy do on their date with no money? How will they get back at Dennis Feinstein? Never fear, loyal viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Okay. All right. I see how you did it then. So I could argue for that. There's also three subplots. Yeah. Ish. That's that sounds about right. I, I think the judges they they left me their crib notes again. You know they they're not sticking around anymore. They no. they're kind of over this. But no. and actually, what I said to them was, I said, I feel like this episode broke down to three character pairings. Mm. If you strip it down, take everything else away, you've got a Ron and Leslie story, you've got a Tom and Ben story, and you've got an April and Andy story. And that's what they called their A, B, and C stories. Either way, I'm looking forward to finishing the breakdown. I am too. And you know what? I wanted to mention, Alan, uh, yeah. you know, Constantine's on this little secret project that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, he actually watched this episode as well. And I, I, from what I understand, he was so inspired by uh, Tom's cologne, Tommy Fresh. Sure, sure. That apparently he's decided to go into the perfumery cologne uh, business um, so he's made his own version. I think this is a little bit close, but maybe he can keep from being, a, you know, a, a sued. Yeah, he, sure. He's calling his garden fresh. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, why? He, well, he's asked us to not reveal. It may or may not be the the the, the scent of a certain garbage, a garbage, a garden uh, vegetable. Now you were right when you said garbage. He's he's asked us to not speculate on account of it may make you know his yeah. stock go down. But oh boy, I don't know. I don't think he has stock. Yeah, I I'd say Mark, we should short this one. Um, that's just me. <laughs> I don't want to hurt Constantine's feelings. No, no, not at all. I, I, my goal today was to get through this whole episode without hurting his feelings. I, I thought, I think that might be a first. <laughs> well, we'll put that in our first then right, when we get we'll, there. We'll, we'll see if we make it. If we get there. If we get there. If we don't, it's going to be goof. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> all right, Mark. Well, very good synopsis there. Why don't we get into the AKAs really quick and then we'll break this thing down. All right. Well, I actually had two for this one. I, you know, I'm, I've always been a Ron admitted Ron fanboy, And so well, sure. I, I have two uh, from him because he had a lot of great moments. Oh, uh, yeah. In this. this is a fantastic um, episode. It is a very fantastic episode. Uh, so one is where he is very sad that Charles Mulligan Steakhouse Uh-oh. apparently has gotten, uh, you know, boarded up. And, and he is so sad and in despair. He's so despondent. And he just says almost tearfully, they just boarded her up like she was some common warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Mark, it was close. Was it? It was. Yeah. And then I have one more, which this isn't even creative just because it's so obvious and so good. Give me all of the bacon and eggs you have. Like, it almost feels wrong that I wouldn't choose that as my main AKA. It's hard not to. Yeah. 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 That, that, I, that, I totally agree. Mark, uh, based on the judge's notes, mm. good notes that they sometimes give me when I give them money. Sure. I, I did three. Oh, very nice. brief ones. Yeah. So close to yours in the first one. Uh, just a beat later in that same scene, Ron says, what happened to the steaks that were in there when they closed? Do you think they got eaten? <laughs> <laughs> Ron is rarely uh, empathetic to anything, but to meat, yeah, of course he would be. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he he said there are a few times when it's acceptable for a man to cry. And I think one of them was like at the Grand Canyon. Yeah, and funerals. This may be one of the uh, an I think exception. I he left this one off the list. I think he did, yeah. I think he would have given himself <laughs> an exception because he pretty much does cry. Yeah. Um, and then over at the bar scene uh, with Tom and Ben's storyline, you know, Tom is explaining. Well, Ben says that he doesn't think Ven- Dennis Feinstein's a very good marketing name. <laughs> he oh, says, yeah, yeah. Well, his real name's Dante Fiaro, but he changed it to Dennis Feinstein because that's way more exotic and, and Pawnee. I love this. <laughs> I love this idea that, you know, there's Pawnee has its own definition of exotic. Yeah, they're in their own little microcosm. I they, agree. They really are. And then the final one was April and Andy and their storyline as they go around stealing stuff and a little bit of a competition. Andy explains to us as the audience that, you know, hey, we're like Robin Hood. We steal from the club and we give to ourselves. That's exactly like the movie went. <laughs> That's why it didn't do very well, Mark. The box office. Yeah. People were a little confused. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into our breakdown. And I know we're going to kick it off with the cold open. We are going to kick it off with the cold open. All right. This one is about 66 seconds. Uh, I would say it's plot relevant because, you know, we have six plots, so it's got to be relevant to one of them. Um, <laughs> so, so Leslie is with Ron in his office discussing the trip that they'll be making tomorrow to accept a commendation at the Indiana State House for bringing the Harvest Festival back. Leslie is strategizing about who should say what and when. Ron, on the other hand, only cares about his return visit to Charles Mulligan Steakhouse, the best damn steakhouse in the damn state. And he actually has a wonderful 
uh, scrapbook showing himself and every steak he's ever eaten there going all the way back to, I want to say the mid nineties, maybe even earlier. There you have it. Well, Mark, from the cold open, we see Tom as he enters the bullpen and immediately has to explain why he is so dressed up. Um, Hint, he does not normally wear an ascot. No. Although I really wouldn't blame him if he did. He's quite stylish. Stylish. Yeah, he does. Well, apparently there is a launch party that night uh, at the Snake Hole Lounge that he's inviting everyone to come and attend. And it is for Dennis Feinstein's new fragrance, Allergic for Men. And the gang seems to react kind of positively, except for a Jerry, who will be deep in his bath by then. And LOL and yuck. And I know. And then and B, Ben, who politely acknowledges, but turns down the offer. And Ben tells us in a talking head that this is a habit of his because he he moves around a lot and he meets people. And but they aren't real friends. He doesn't want to get attached. They're more like I think he called them Facebook friends. I love it. Yeah. Hey, Doug from Bloomington. Um, I'm thinking about buying this shirt. Come on, Doug. Who cares? No, no one cares, Doug. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I have to say I've seen many photos of meals that while they looked appetizing, I didn't necessarily need that information. Yeah, I completely agree. Have I posted any of myself? Maybe. <laughs> but they were really good, Mark. Yeah, I don't What care. are you going to do? Yeah. I, I don't care, Alan, from Indianapolis. Yeah. Well, Mark, as per Leslie's suggestion, and instead of just letting Ben stare at his hotel wall, Tom decides to take him out and show him a good time at the Snake Hole Lounge this evening. Well, Leslie manages to convince him to do so, you know, because they share an office. So Tom knows that he's not going to get away from her. That's good point. And they retreat. She's going to wear him down. Oh, for for sure. And, you know, they retreat into their office and like make him go to your antihistamine party. I love that line. (laughs) Um, It's allergic. Take him under your tiny little wing. Um, And the, the only thing of note that Ben says in that scene, I think, other than like, okay. You know, I'll invite him is right. that that night is not just about having fun. He's also trying to schmooze Dennis Feinstein and pitch his cologne, right. Tommy Fresh. So that I think that's where we first get that introduced. Yeah, we, we know we know the setup at this point. Right, right. Yeah. Well, following that, April and Andy are hanging out at the shoeshine stand. And we learned that Mouse Rat is working on a new album. They are. April Ludgate is the best ever volume <laughs> one. There are many more to follow. Sure, of course. <laughs> so they're talking about what they want to do that night. And Andy mentions watching TV uh, either at Burley's <laughs> house or at April's house or possibly at Best Buy. Yeah. Well. Not, not a bad option. Um, but April suggests, why don't we go to Tom's allergic party thingy, the antihistamine one? Yeah. Why don't, we go, why don't we go to that at the Snake Hole Lounge tonight? And we see Andy being a little hesitant which is we don't understand why for a second. And then he has a talking head where he simply says, you know what? I, I forgot when you have a girlfriend, you kind of need money. And I, I, I don't have any, you know, and he's I think he's embarrassed by this. Um, but he agrees to go anyway, because April's kind of into it. And then it, it, it ends very sweet because, you know, they, they've obviously started dating. And so they, they kind of kiss and then part ways and. April looks uncharacteristically happy and smiley, you know? Yeah. And, and she has a talking head at the end there where the camera's just looking at her and she's like all smiling and such. She's like, I don't know. I guess we're dating. It's, it's new, whatever. 
I don't I don't like labels. Go away. Go away. <laughs> but she's happy, you can tell. Yeah. I like the dueling talking heads. We see that a couple of times in, you know, these scenes in this episode, Mark. Oh yeah. The the only other thing that Andy, you know, when he explained, and I was a little touched. You know, I can remember being young and wanting to impress somebody and not having any money. And he says, you know, he wants to treat her like a queen. She deserves flowers and massages and chocolates and booze and diamonds and rubies and emeralds. And, you know, it's kind of uh, he's got maybe some grand plans there, but uh, you can kind of relate. He includes treasure chests full of scarves and also <laughs> arguably weird different kinds of lubes that on account of when you warm them up, when you rub them and uh, stuff. I don't know where he's going with that. But I mean, his heart's his little Andy head is in the right place, yeah. I think. I think he's confused her with Matahari, but beyond that, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, over at Anne's house, Anne is helping Leslie choose the perfect outfit for her presentation at the state house tomorrow. And, and we know that Chris is either a lying bastard, a monster, or totally awesome. We're just not sure yet. <laughs> you you said a mouthful there. I uh, completely agree. Um so they established one thing, you know, a second time that Leslie is very, very, very excited about this commendation. Like she's wanting everything to be just right. And while Anne's helping her pick out the outfit, like you said, Anne says, I think Chris is cheating on me. She we had a good talk and then he's been strangely distant. And beyond that, she Anne doesn't really have any proof. It just seems odd and she can't put her finger on it. And as you said, Alan, Leslie kind of toggles rapidly between saying variations of he's a monster and I'll kill him. And, oh, you guys are great together. I'm sure it's nothing. And then <laughs> she's covering all of her bases. Yeah, she does that well. And then she finally tells Anne that, you know, she's going to Indianapolis for this commendation. And that's where Chris's apartment is. She'll invite him, Chris. Uh, out to dinner when she goes to Indianapolis and she'll poke around a little bit and she'll she'll figure out what's going on. I love Leslie is sometimes when she tries to be supportive mm -hmm. and she's not that great at it. It's like when she says, look, it sounds like you're just spiraling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Leslie is kind of good at sleuthing. You know, they did in high school call her Angela Lansbury. That was mainly because of the haircut. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Well, over at Ben's office, Tom enters and, uh, you know, I think he's now finally going to invite him out to the snake hole lounge that evening, which may, in fact, just keep him from being murdered by his landlord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's some there's some weird shenanigans going on there. Uh, Tom invites him once more. Ben tries to politely refuse. I think the the excuse that you're alluding to, Alan, is uh, he said, I don't know the motel I'm staying at, the the owner uh, says that she's going to screen Hope Floats uh, in the lobby and yeah. ask me if I wanted to watch. And Tom says, well, that sounds kind of murdery. Why <laughs> Why don't you, instead of getting murdered, why don't you come on down to the snake hole? And then he he's a little bit more persistent and says, you know what? Come on, come to the snake hole. I'm not going to take no for an answer. And I think, I think Ben's a little touched by that, like that Tom seems to halfway care. Like it's not just a polite thing, you know? Um, and they end the scene... Tom's about to leave his office and Tom says, uh, hey, just just curious. What, what are you going to wear? Ben says, well, this. No, really. It was something different. <laughs> I'm going to go home and grab something completely that's not this. Cool. Yeah. And then yeah. Ben gives us a he, Ben looks down at his clothes and gives the camera a classic. I don't get this. Yeah. <laughs> Look. Well, Mark, next up, we're in the car. I think we're in Ron's car. And if I'm not mistaken, I've driven this road many times myself. I believe we're on I-37 northbound and uh, Leslie and Ron are en route to Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, 
this may be the most intense case of food-driven Ron that we've ever seen to this point. Yeah, food-driven Ron is literally driving. <laughs> so by the food or no, wait. By the will of Mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is the road from Pawnee to Indianapolis, right? It is. So it may be I-37 and a half. I'm not I'm not <laughs> sure exactly what the number is, but but yeah, I've, I've driven that too. Yeah, me too. So Leslie is trying to make the most of the trip, which seems very much in her wheelhouse. Yeah, and she makes a couple of suggestions just to say, look, hunger driven, Ron, if if you don't mind diverging a little bit from our intended path, there's a couple places we could go. And Ron just no. No, just nope. shuts her down each time. And then when asked what's wrong, Ron very simply explains, Leslie, I've been fasting all day to save room for Mulligan's Steakhouse because it's the most magical place. Screw Disney. Sure. <laughs> this is the most magical place on earth. <laughs> and uh, Leslie also mentions that Chris is going to be joining them for dinner, which, you know, extracts a very you know resounding damn it woman from from Ron because on account of <laughs> he's hungry. He's hungry. He doesn't need the distraction, Mark. That's right. And speaking of distractions, he has no interest in seeing the world's second largest rocking chair. Uh, he's missing something. <laughs> or, or or Dame Jervin's misshapen celebrity, celebrity castle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, so specific. It just made me laugh out it, loud. The, their quote is, it's, it's where Madame Tussard sends yep. all of its failed wax figures. And if you can figure out who it is, you get to take it home. <laughs> It's exactly what I want is a creepy, misshapen wax figure of someone, pseudo celebrity in my house. I got to tell you, though, I wouldn't not go there. Well, I, I am kind of intrigued now. We got to see where that is. I guess we need to get this map from Leslie. The next time I'm on I-37 and a half, I may have to stop by Dame Gervin's misshapen celebrity I'm castle. look for it. Yep. Well, and then, you know, Ron also explains that, you know, when he's done eating a Mulligan's meal, oh, Mark, yikes. for weeks yeah. afterwards, there yeah. are a little flecks of meat in his mustache and they become occasional snacks. Yeah, he's him. not going to clean it on account no. of then he would de deprive himself of said snacks. Hello, Ellen Yuck. Yeah, that was pretty gross. Yeah. But, but inspired. But funny. Well, then Ron and Leslie arrive to pick up Chris at his apartment. And, and you know, Leslie is very positive and upbeat, but, uh, you know, not necessarily compared to Chris. No, no. Very few people are. Um, Ron tries very hard to be like, hey, how are you? Let's go. And then, you know, <laughs> Chris is very polite, as is apropos. And invites him in and Leslie's like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do this. And yeah. Ron just is not real happy about that. And immediately upon entering Chris's house, she compliments his his or his apartment, I guess. She compliments his place and then starts snooping around a little like, you know, coat closet. What's in here? Mm -hmm. Men's coats. Hmm. Uh, where's your she's bag? in full on Angela Lansbury mode, Mark? Yep. Sans <laughs> haircut. But yes, other than that, full on mode. Uh, so, yeah, she's trying to figure out what's what here. Well, I think she even does the classic, can I use your bathroom ruse, right? Mm. Kind of setting us up. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're going to pop away for a minute and we're going to be over at the Snake Hole Lounge where Andy is trying an old trick that I invented, Mark, um, <laughs> called the Tommy Tab. <laughs> wow. You're quite bright. Yeah. Um, I think this is the first of, of many scenes throughout the rest of this episode that take place at the Snake Hole Lounge. Yeah. Various and places within the lounge. And, and you do really feel like the... The B and the C story, if you want to give it those labels, which I'm going to because they're correct. I don't. That they don't really converge all that much. Yeah. They're in the same bar, but they they don't even acknowledge each other. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. Till the end. That's true. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it, it, Andy and April are ordering drinks at the bar and Andy is trying to get free drinks on account of he knows Tom, but Alan, our favorite club owner who needs his face kicked in, <laughs> Freddie, uh, very, uh, rudely and abruptly denies his request and basically tells him, Hey, why don't you make room for the paying customers? Freddie played by Andy Milder and we have uh, made contact with Andy. So we, um, we're, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love, uh, you know, Andy is so slick, Mark, that mm-hmm. when pressed by the barkeep, um, you know, whose tab exactly he wants to put this on. Well, of course, he wants to put it on Tom Hammond, Hammonstein. Haverford. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't even know his last name, but he's, he's like his best friend. He's like my best friend. <laughs> and he yeah. wants him to drink for free. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Freddie is so, is it just my imagination, Alan, or is Freddie so easy to hate? Uh, uh, Andy, the, Andy did a great job of making us hate his character, Freddie. Mm-hmm. And I'm intrigued to ask him about that because I think playing a jerk would be kind of a fun thing. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us can't help it, but, but it's just innate. Yeah. But, but yeah, some, I guess would find it a challenge. <laughs> uh, well, we played our strengths, Mark. That's what they always say. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> well, Ron and Chris are waiting patiently. No, Ron's not patient. At no. All, in the car for Leslie to complete her phone call. Um, and I think apparently the topic later is going to be known as Pink Razor Gate, Mark. Yeah. And the whole thing is just shrouded in mystery and cheating and a lack of stake so far. So something's got to happen for crying out loud. Yeah. Leslie's basically calling Anne and saying she found uh, a woman's razor and a pink swimming cap in Chris Trigger's cower. And she doesn't know why. And she thinks he might be cheating. And Anne says, I'm coming up there. And uh, at this point, Leslie wants to talk to her more, but she is drowned out by the horn honking of a very, very grumpy Ron saying, nope, get your bleep out here. Ron is the hangriest I've ever seen him. Yeah, that's saying something. Well, and then tragically, Mark, you know, Ron and Chris and Leslie are now going to arrive at Mulligan Steakhouse. And not only are they too late to eat there tonight, but they may be too late to eat there ever. I want to take a note to kind of bring the lights down here. This is this is one of the one of the saddest scenes I've seen since the English patient. Um, and uh, <laughs> right up there with it. Yeah, it, it's uh, I have never seen a, a, a mustachioed, masculine man like Ron uh, emote such did sadness. Did you say masculine? I don't think I did. That would be ridiculous if I did that. Um, so this this masculine man, uh, uh, Ron, uh, he. It's been boarded up, Alan. Mulligan Steakhouse has been boarded up. It's it's obviously closed. Um, Ron starts to lose his mind at oh, first. He's panicking. Never seen him well, like this. You know, it's it's the five stages of of, of, of grief. Yeah, all in about twelve seconds. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. He starts panicking. He beats on the door. He's he's bargaining with it. He's trying to kick it down. He's then <laughs> he finally grabs this yellow notice on the door and and he sinks to the ground in horror and sadness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my aka came from yes, this like they just boarded her up like she was some common warehouse i should have been here <laughs> um, and at this point chris is usually pretty unflappable right yeah. but i think even at this point chris is like ron buddy you know he he's trying to console sure, him of course puts his arm around his shoulder and says why don't you come back to my place buddy i'll make us some grub it'll be just as good as here 
Okay. <laughs> he is despondent. This is where Ron is starting to worry about the stakes that were here, Mark. And he says, you know, <laughs> do you think they were in there when they were closed? Do you think they got eaten? So uh, sad. It is. It really oh is tragic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, Chris is going to make it all better, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, over at the Snake Hole Lounge, we are finally about to get a chance to meet the great Dennis Feinstein. Uh, you know, but Tom and Ben are going to strategize about this to make the most of the opportunity. That's right. Yeah, they're they're observing Dennis Feinstein and what I guess I can only call his entourage that are like sitting around yeah, a booth fair. or a table they or whatever. A little VIP booth there. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and Tom is telling Ben all about Dennis Feinstein. You know, he's a real genius and stuff. And uh and and as well as his plan, which his plan is very simply wait till he's alone. And then I walk up and I spray him with Tommy Fresh and I say, <laughs> uh oh, looks like you just inhaled your future. Oh. And then and Ben considers it and goes, Yeah, that and then he pauses and he considers it might actually work. It's not the worst idea. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, well, we, we learn a little more here, Mark, about Dennis and, you know, he um, this new scent that he, he's he got allergic is going to follow up some of his former greats, which included attack, mm -hmm. yearning, mm -hmm. thickening, mm -hmm. <laughs> itch. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. It was just called itch. Yeah. Just called yeah, itch. That's not right. No. Uh, coma. Yep. And side boob. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I when I first read the list, I thought it said itch coma, which I thought was actually better. I, I, that's something that uh, that would have been better. Yeah, would have been. Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is where we learn that, of course, his name is actually Dante Fierro, which is just not exotic. Oh, that's right. Pawnee. Yeah, they're they're such a weird little microcosm world in Pawnee. They like they live by their own rules. Well, also at the Snake Hole Lounge, April and Andy are sitting at the bar and Andy confesses something that I think we can all relate to from one time in our life or another, Mark. Absolutely. Yeah. Andy seems kind of bummed out and April can very clearly tell, asks him what's wrong. And he admits, I want to I want to buy you stuff. I want to treat you right. But I'm it's embarrassing. I'm I'm, I'm broke. I have no money. Um, and it's a very sweet, I, you know, what, what could have been a very just awkward moment. April's very sweet and reassures him and says, you know what? I'm broke too. And I don't really want anything. I just want to hang out with you. So what's that's good stuff. That is good stuff. Um, and then she, and then she tells Andy that she can, you know, she can get free drinks anytime she wants yeah. on account of she's a girl in a sleazy club. And then <laughs> she demonstrates this ability a, a couple of times, I think, and then giving Andy one of her drinks. So, yeah. you know, she, she's a provider. Well, you know, she she does the thing and actually she meets Kevin briefly and introduces herself as Oprah yeah. and says that she doesn't like to drink alone. He buys her a drink and then she says she just wants to drink it alone. See, it's her prerogative. <laughs> Did you recognize Kevin? I didn't. Who's Kevin? Well, Mark, yeah. So I, I know that you, like I do, watch the show Superstore on yes, NBC. absolutely. Well, John Barinholtz, um, Marcus. Is that who that is? That's who that is. He's at the bar. He's a bit younger here and uh, looking pretty buff at the bar, uh, you know, but not enough to really hit on Oprah. Well, who, who among us is? I didn't recognize that. So that's that Kevin is played by the yeah. same actor who so plays Marcus. Little cameo there. Wow. Yeah, I like that. 
Well, over at Chris's apartment, we see Chris preparing dinner for Ron and Leslie and himself. And I don't know about you, Mark, but I'm looking forward to seeing the cuts of meat that Chris has prepared to make up for this tragedy that Ron's experiencing. I think that you're just setting up the beginning of a horror film, Alan. I, I have I have very bad feelings about this, um, but let, let's see what transpires. Sure. Yeah, they're, they're at Chris's place and Chris is, as he promised Ron, he's making some food for them all, which he's very happy to do. And thinly veiled as just being, you know, conversational. It seems like Leslie is starting to grill. Actually, oh, we don't have Constantine here, do we? Do we have a, hey, can you play the clip? He um, he told me to hit this button and I, I'm going to, but I, I'll be honest with you, Mark. I don't know what's going to happen when I do. Let's find out. Oh, dear Lord. So, Chris, do you have any sisters? No, I don't, Leslie. Do you have sisters? Maybe. So how's your mom? Is she visiting? No, she's home up in Wisconsin. Is your mom visiting? Any aunts? Nope. You have aunts? Girl cousins? A youthful grandmother, perhaps? Nope. Did you forget how to have a conversation? I'm so happy you guys are here. I'm going to go fire up the drill. I'm going to kill him, Ron. Why? Chris is cheating on Anne. There's evidence everywhere. She's coming up here so they can have it out. Ask her to bring some garlic salt. I'm worried Chris doesn't have any. <laughs> uh, Ron is so concerned about Anne. Look, man, you got to have your priorities. <laughs> I like that scene, Mark, um, just so well written and executed between Amy Poehler and Rob Lowe there. So good. Yeah, their they're back and forth is, uh, is, is, is really well done. Well, Mark, returning briefly to the Snake Hole Lounge, April and Andy are about to cure Andy's pork deficiency. Thank well, God. Well, one of them has a pork deficiency. Uh, the, the waiter that April accosted believes it's her. But either way, pork deficiencies are going to be be uh, vanquished by the tray full of pigs in a blanket, uh, which April's now bringing it back to Andy. Uh, and not to be outdone, Andy also produces his ill-gotten gains, which is uh, six minutes from the bathroom. <laughs> so we can see here, April may be a little better than he is at this. Yeah, you know, sometimes they say so-and-so's got game. Well, I think so far it's April. He, he's got mints. Um, <laughs> and then they make a game, though, uh, out of it. And they say, you know what, this will be. This is why we're going to have fun together on account of we're going to say whoever gets the most free stuff by the end of the night wins. One, two, three, go. And then they go and they both scamper off and try to get stuff. Oh, well, that's going to be good. We'll see what happens there. Meanwhile, back at Chris's apartment, apparently the steaks are cooking and Chris is clearly confusing Ron with a cute furry woodland creature, Mark. He he tries to, Chris, he's so sweet. He is serving Ron and Leslie dinner and he's urging Ron to try salad because he thinks, you know, on the counter, that'll be good for you. Well, it's healthy. And, and, and Ron tries to artfully sidestep it and Chris is somewhat insistent goes oh no 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 it's gonna be good for you puts the salad in his bowl and turns away and Ron goes mmm delicious <laughs> takes his bowl and just dumps it back in the serving <laughs> bowl it just cracked me up um, at this point though uh, salad aside Leslie is losing her patience now and she's no longer uh, you know craftily uh, you know forming her conversation the way she was. She gets much more blunt and to the point. She's not dancing around it anymore. No, she's like, you know what's really funny? She's my best friend and I'd murder anyone who hurt her like you. Um, probably. Probably. Um, and then Chris finally gets, 
I think what's what Leslie's driving at, and he says, you know, this is this is very uncomfortable for me. I don't know what to say. And at this point, Leslie looks disappointed and uncomfortable. Like, okay, this is. I think she was hoping that he was going to deny it or something, but it, this is not looking good for Chris. So far, it looks like he he's going to admit that he's been caught in Leslie's snare here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, meanwhile, over at the Snake Hole Lounge. And we're at Dennis Feinstein's VIP table. Tom is about to get his shot. And Mark, like Eminem and Alexander Hamilton, he's not going to throw it away. Yeah, I don't know who those people are. So anyway, he 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 walks over to uh, Dennis Feinstein and his his entourage there, um, you know, finally gotten up the nerve and he's he's taking his shot and um, he tries to pitch his new scent, Tommy Fresh. And Dennis is kind of comes across as a, as a jerk. He's, he's reluctant. Kinda. He's reluctant to even engage with them. You know, he says like, people do this to me all day long. They're throwing scents at me, blah, blah, blah. And finally, Tom convinces him to just take a few seconds, dude, just smell it. And he does. And then he laughs at first, accusing it of being a gag scent, <laughs> except maybe in the truest sense of the word. Um, mm. And then he describes it as somebody spilled Chinese food in a bird cage. Um, <laughs> so this this crushes Tom, and it's and, assaultive. <laughs> it's assaultive. It's all he can do to not retch right now. Uh. Um, and he tells a heartbroken Tom, he "said kid, find another game. Leave perfumery to the real event, real men." And then he walks away. And Tom is devastated. He's a little crushed. Yeah, a little. Well, you know, with with Tom's abrupt approach, Mark, uh, you know, Dennis is on his heels right away. And he, he just tells Tom, look, are you from the FDA? Because, you know, legally, if you're from the FDA, you have, you to, have tell to tell me. me. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a thing. But no. hey, it's still funny. Yep. Uh, you know, but he does say that, you know, people all day long are trying to pitch him clones. This guy just pitched him one called Sluts. Yep. And I'm going to tell you what I told him. Not just anybody can do this. Although it's a great name and I'm probably going to steal it. It is a great name. Yeah. I don't blame him a bit. <laughs> Tommy Fresh, he may not steal. We'll yep. see. We'll see what happens. Well, Mark, we cut back to Chris's apartment and Leslie's outside on the phone. And I think she's starting to get a little bit of a case of cold feet about the sleuthing she's doing when tragedy strikes over at the grill. Yeah, I think we we hear her. I, I think from her words, it sounds like she's leaving a voicemail for, for Anne. And I think she is starting to get a little bit of cold feet. And then we hear a, a, a blood curdling scream uh, from Ron and, and and Leslie and Chris run to Ron thinking what? Oh, my goodness. What would make such a blood curdling scream come from such a mustachioed man like Ron? <laughs> and apparently he's he's at the grill and he's holding a patty shaped something in his tongs. He's clearly upset and shouts, what in the devil's name is this? And Chris cheerfully tells him that it's a portobello mushroom. Delicious. This causes Ron to nearly pass out in panic and despair. <laughs> Just, he almost falls down. Oh, my gosh. Leslie asked Chris to get a cold compress. It's it's a thing now. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. We're going to cut back over to the snake hole lounge for a second. And it's game on between April and Andy. We're really getting into this challenge. And we meet two now famous characters, Mark. And one of them is Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, that nutty Robin Hood. That's a great name for a scent. Um, so we, we cut to April and she walks over. We're, we're seeing the birth of a legend here, Alan. Yes. We cut to April. Like you said, the, the April Andy game is afoot. They're supposed to get free stuff. April walks over to an apron hanging on the wall. She grabs it. She puts it on. 
walks over to the bar as if she's a waitress and orders six beers for table 12, which is full of guys. And then the other waitress, I think, asks, like, do you work here? And she says, yeah, my dad owns this place. I'm Janet. Pause. Janet Snakehole. Love it. And a legend is born. Yep. And she takes the beers over to table 12 full of guys telling them this round is on the house. Yay. Hey, how about them tips there? And then so, you know, we'll see what happens there. And so that's April. Do, 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 do. We cut over to Andy. Let's see how Andy's doing. Andy is in the men's bathroom. He's posing as an attendant who offers gum and mints, but does not have either, which is kind of an interesting trick. And then but he still expects a tip. And then despite this ridiculousness, it looks like Andy actually experiences some success. Well, he he's Robin Hood, Mark, and uh, they're stealing from the club to give to themselves. That's right. He is just like or they are like Robin Hood, I guess, jointly. You know what? Those beers need a home. <laughs> and table six looks like they deserve it to Mark. Well, table 12 or whatever. Whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Back at Chris's patio, you know, Chris is not a doctor, but he did date a nurse and he's checking on Ron to make sure that he's OK in this given state of shock. Chris and Leslie are still fawning over a shaken and dazed Ron. We don't know uh, so if funny. he's going to come out of this when all of a sudden, bam, Anne comes storming through the front door. Da, 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 and she demands, Alan, she demands to know about the pink razor and the pink swimming cap. Maybe it is a pink razor. Thank you. Uh, so I didn't think that it was, but apparently it is. Um, and then Chris calmly explains that, A, he shaves his legs for swimming and women's razors tend to work better for a shin bone. I guess the men razor technology isn't it's quite just there. Not there yet. Not there yet. And then B, the pink swimming cap was for the 2009 Indiana Breast Cancer Awareness Triathlon, which he, by the way, came in fourth. Pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. And Anne is very embarrassed. And she apologizes to Chris and admits that she was afraid that he was cheating on her. She apologizes. And Chris, unfazed by all this, smiles and cheerfully says, well, no, I'm not cheating on you, but... I'm also not dating you. We broke up last week. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, boy. The plot thickens. I love it. Well, you know, Leslie, you know, did take a third stab at him there and talk about the concealer that she also found in his medicine cabinet. <laughs> he says, I'm a human being. Sometimes I get blemishes. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Uh, so good. So, Chris. <laughs> well, Mark, you know, I don't know about you, but. I've made some embarrassing mistakes before, and I feel like what's happening here over at Chris's apartment is basically just failure to communicate. I, I think you're right. Uh, like that famous movie there where they said that famous line. Yes. Everyone knows which one I'm talking about. Sure. Of course, right. that one. Yeah, that one. That was great. Uh, I watched it last week. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, so, yeah, Ann and Chris are sitting down on this couch, and they're trying to rectify the failure to communicate. And... It's, I think we see Leslie and Ron, they're like sitting out on the porch trying to give him a little bit of privacy, but yeah. they're still kind of like leaning and listening. And yeah. you can tell Anne is confused because she doesn't recall them breaking up. Like, do you roofie someone to break up with them? Is that a thing? <laughs> However, once she and Chris revisited the actual words that were used in their conversation, she realizes to her horror, Chris did in fact break up uh. with her. And Anne is 
humiliated oh, yeah. and devastated by this. And Leslie yeah. explains, because I don't think Anne is capable of words at this point. So Leslie kindly explains to the audience, yeah. us in a talking head, sweet and beautiful Anne has never been dumped before. And Chris is such a positive person. When he broke up with her, she just didn't realize it. And Anne gets more and more horrified as she recalls the things that she did over the course of the last week when she thought they were (laughs) together and they were, in fact, not. And finally, a very, very humiliated Anne runs out of the apartment with Leslie hot on her heels. Well, Mark, you know, Leslie does say it is kind of understandable. Although it does kind of make you wonder how good a nurse Anne is. I agree. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> She's not picking up on those cues. Right. Although, again, no one's ever met anybody quite like Chris. That also true. Yeah. Well, back over at the Snake Hole Lounge, Tom is still sitting in the VIP booth, which is now pretty much vacated, though. Dennis has moved on. But sad Tom is still here. And uh, not even Melantinis, I think, are going to help Mark. He is still moping, to say the least. He's very, I don't think I've seen him this sad, except maybe when he divorced Wendy. Yeah, I think that that's probably a tie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Ben, I think, at this point, is trying his best to cheer up Tom. Um, and he, he brings him a drink in Melantini and Ben just out and out tells Tom, you know what? Dennis Feinstein is a jerk. And Tom is lamenting to Ben that Tommy Fresh was his dream and no one's ever going to smell it except for him. And Ben tries to cheer him up by saying, <laughs> I can smell your dreams, Tom. I can. And I can smell them from here. <laughs> Quickly going to a talking head. And honestly, they smell beeping terrible. And then he just shrugs and he says, but you know what? I like Tom. Yep. Yeah. It's a great Tom, Tom Ben moment, even though Tom isn't aware of it yet, but it is happening. And I think, I think the most of this is in Ben's, I want to say in Ben's mind, not to imply that it's not happening, but that it was, I think the relationships and the friendships were already there, but Ben didn't realize it. And he's coming to realize it here. I think you're right. This is the first thing that's going to happen in this episode that makes you think that. And there's going to be another moment like that here in a minute. Yeah. But Mark, I I love when Ben is trying to make Tom feel better. He says, look, that guy's a jerk. And if you ask me, he smells like, and then Tom inserts success, smells like success. And then, you know, Tom says, you know what I smell like? And (laughs) Teriyaki hairpiece, teriyaki hairpiece, which I thought if Andy had overheard this, he would have found the new mouse rat band name that day. Oh, you could be onto something. Yeah, I like it. Nice. Well, still in the bar, April and Andy are comparing their spoils. And uh, like before, I think we've got a clear winner here, Mark. Undoubtedly. Yeah, they're they're combining as as all the members of Robin Hood's band are wont to do. We're going to we're going to combine all of our ill gotten gains there. Sure. So it, it, the, the, the here's the tale of the tape. We have Andy over in this corner with thirty eight dollars in tips. Not bad. It's, it's not bad, especially because he's a buffoon and he's not selling anything. <laughs> um, and then on the other in the other corner, we have a jar of olives, a thing of toothpicks that kind of look like swords there mm-hmm. and a year supply of toilet paper. Always good. And one hundred and eighty dollars. So good I think Lord. April is the clear winner here. Yes. Um, but as you said, honestly, for being Andy, I don't think he did that badly. Um so after they grin at each other for a few seconds because they're being goofy and they enjoyed it and everything. And then they go, you know what? 
we should give everything back. Yeah, they have that that thought at the exact same moment, which I thought was terrific. Yeah, so they're very much in sync. Yeah. So this this causes Andy and April to sneak over to the bar in like a <laughs> pseudo secret agent montage, i.e. Uh, fingers in the air yeah. as if they were guns. Yeah, they're very Burt Macklin. Rolling over tables, crouching down low, pressing against the side of the bar as so not to be seen before finally the stuffing all math uh, $218 in the tip jar, much to the bartender's delight. Yeah. I hope he shares that because those were ill-gotten tips, but yeah, I agree. either way. Yeah. It was nice that they gave it back. I thought that was, that was a good, good character moment for both of them. Well, most of it. Well, good point. <laughs> <laughs> in Leslie's car, Leslie and Anne are headed back to Pawnee from Indianapolis. And Leslie is doing her best to make Anne feel better mainly by letting her know about some dating dumpster fire she's endured. <laughs> yeah, this is this is very good. Did by any chance did Constantine mark a second button? Again, Mark, I, I, he gave me these notes and I don't know what he intends me to do with them. So I'm just going to click this thing here and let's see what happens. Good job. One time when I was in high school, a guy's mom called me and broke up with me for him. There was another time where I was on a date and I tripped and broke my kneecap. And then the guy said he wasn't feeling it. So he left and I waited for an ambulance. One time I was dating this guy for a while and then he got down on one knee and he begged me to never call him again. One guy broke up with me while we were in the shower together. Skywriting isn't always positive. Another time a guy invited me to a beautiful uh, picnic with wine and flowers. And then when I tried to sit down, he said, don't eat anything, Rebecca's coming. And then he broke up with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Rebecca. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Thanks for driving me. It's a good scene, Mark. You gotta love Les. Oh, I love jump cuts, first of all. They always do such a great job with those little improv moments. And I'm curious how many of these were improvised by Amy Poehler. I, I think my favorite has to be skywriting is not always positive. <laughs> it, it's just like it's a one-liner, but it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it is. You gotta fill in the gaps. I also thought this was this was a really nice moment because we've seen several scenes prior to this one. We saw how important this commendation was to Leslie. She's yeah. very excited about it. She's crafting speeches. She's picking yep. out outfits. And yet it, the, the second that Anne needs her, boom, it's not yeah. even it's not even and, and a, they go a on in this scene to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so very sweet. They are kind of concerned about Ron, though. Well, he, he's going to remain behind. And mm -hmm. He's going to get the accommodation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Anne says, is, is he going to be okay? And Leslie just says, I honestly don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I, I love that she was letting this go, though. Yeah. I was a little impressed and a little curious that she wasn't fighting that a little more. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Well, Mark, Ron is now getting desperate. Sullivan's is closed. Chris has tried to feed him a grilled... <clears throat> vegetable oh geez and he's going to give it one more try and create a famous meme while he's at it should we just play this we should okay let's play it uh, and i know what this cue's about all right this isn't a steak why would you call it that on your menu i don't know what to tell you man just give me all the bacon and eggs you have wait wait I worry what you just heard was, give me a lot of bacon and eggs. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do you understand? Oh, so good. <laughs> this is such a great scene. I mean, not only is it just freaking funny, and it's, 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 
created several internet memes. Um, the, the, you know what? I, I can't actually blame. So this is like a 24 hour, just greasy spoon off the side of the road. And we've got waffle houses here. And it kind of reminded me of a waffle house. It's just bit. a cup of coffee, like logo on everything. And I, I personally, mm. I named this diner cup of Joe. Oh, nice. Yeah. nice. So, well, I yeah. think that's what it is now. It's, it's, it's our personal canon. There it is. Um, so at Cup of Joe's, I think that their steak dinner is probably like five ninety nine, dollars Maybe. And so, you know what? It, it, yeah, the plate had a dried up steak and a dried up potato and like a smattering of heated green beans. But you know what? For five ninety nine at a local diner, just a greasy spoon, Cup okay. of Joe's, it's, it is what it is. But I don't blame Ron for just like. Being a little disgusted. He has psyched himself up for this Sullivan's meal that he's been having since he was basically just a little kid, Mark. I saw the picture of him and he looked like a little kid. <laughs> looked the same. <laughs> or the same. <laughs> and so, you know, this is a huge disappointment. So uh, this is yet one more blow. Right. Bring me all the bacon and eggs you have. Just such a classic line. That's so good. <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious to see what he brings back. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, back at the Snake Hole Lounge, the healing is underway, and it's nice to see that Tom is starting to feel better. But I think Anne's recovery is just kind of getting started. Yeah, we we kind of have a, a couple little scenes here. Um, the first is you see Tom and Ben. Tom appears to be no longer moping exactly. He's he's up and he's talking yeah. and he's got his own drink, which he calls a Tommy Teeny, and it is apparently <laughs> vodka and lots of cinnamon. That sounds gross. It does sound gross. Yeah. And uh, Ben is kind of surprised when Donna walks over and hands him a Miller Lite. And he's like, how did you know this was my drink? And Donna kind of gives him the, you know, my fingers go to my eyes, my yeah. finger goes to your eyes like she knows. And Tom tells him, spells it out. Everybody knows that that's your drink. So, you know, Alan, I think this is really nice because Ben's getting uh, the, the signal that he's one of the gang. Um, I like that moment. And yeah. And he glances over. And sees, uh, well, what do you know? Leslie and Ann are sitting there. They they are now at the Snake Hole Lounge and they are doing shots. <laughs> and so Ben kind of walks over to him and Leslie seems happy to see him and says, he wants you to sit down with us. So, again, he's kind of part of the gang. And Leslie tells Ben that Ann's having a rough time because on account of Chris dumped her. <laughs> And Ben says, yeah, like a week ago, right? Which just embarrasses Anne even oh more gosh. because I think she's thinking, well, who, who in the hell? Like everybody knows this except for me. How embarrassing. Well, he says, yeah, we were all slightly confused about that when you tried to kiss him. <laughs> she's like, oh, God, who's we? Yeah. Oh, poor uh, Anne. She's been the talk of the town and didn't even know. Yep. Yeah. Well, Mark, I think at this point, all we have left is our kicker. And Andy and April and Tom and Ben and Leslie and Ann are all headed out of the Snake Hole Lounge for the night when Ben has a fresh idea, Mark. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See what I did there? I do. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like you said, Alan, it's 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 late and we see the entire gang kind of in a more or less in one group leaving the Snake Hole Lounge and they're walking out into the park. April and Andy are first, kind of leading the group, if you will, towards the camera. And we see Andy is carrying that <clears throat> large roll of toilet paper telling April, yeah, I know we gave everything back except for this on account of I need it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we cut over to Ben just real quick and he sees uh, Dennis Feinstein's SUV with an open window. Yeah, he's got the vanity plate, Mark. It just says smells. Oh, my. 
Oh my. Love it. I his, miss that. Good catch. His Escalade, yeah. <laughs> and Ben sees that that his SUV smells uh that license plate smells. It has an open window. And in a show of support for his friend Tom, he says, "Give me the Tommy Fresh." And he runs over to the SUV <laughs> and puts his his <laughs> arm inside the window, uncaps Tommy Fresh, and as you said, it's a fresh idea. And he he unleashes it all over the inside of the car. And, you know, he 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 gives Tom a high five. And Tom, I think, seems to appreciate Ben's gesture. Once Tom walks away a little distance, though, Ben starts violently dry heaving because, damn, it smells that bad. I I love he grabs the body, goes, give me the Tommy Fresh. He's going to smell your dreams now. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Uh, Fade to black. Fade to black. All right. Well, Mark, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Then we'll come back. We'll do the rest of our shenanigans and then we'll give this thing a score and go home. That's the plan, man. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. And now a very special message from our spokesperson, Ron Swanson. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Like the sands in an hourglass, this world and everything in it is transitory. Change is inevitable. Indeed, change is the only constant. When these changes occur, it's hard not to become introspective, asking the big questions like, what does it all mean, and what is our purpose? To that end, we must love and appreciate the here and now. Reflect, consider, and savor those things we should be grateful for. With those words, I would like to pause and have a moment of silence as we remember Charles Mulligan Steakhouse, the best damn steakhouse in the damn state. As the story goes, in 1914, Charles Mulligan got drunk wandered into a field, and punched a man to death. The man turned out to be a cow, and that cow turned out to be a delicious steak. (sighs) So beautiful, it's like poetry. Eat your heart out, John Keats. I still remember my first trip to Indianapolis to eat at Mulligan Steakhouse like it was yesterday. I was just a barely mustachioed kid full of optimism and pipe dreams. I was so excited I got three speeding tickets on the way there. My first steak dinner there was so satiating and totally fulfilling that I actually wrote my first and only poem about it later that night. I called it Memories of Mulligans, or M-O-M for short. In fact, I believe I would have chosen that steak over my real M-O-M. But the magic didn't stop there. For the better part of two decades, I witnessed masterpiece after masterpiece. The classic ribeye, the perfect porterhouse, and eventually a specialty cut so large they call it Conan the Enforcer, Destroyer of Bowels. Totally worth it. Whether served with dry rub, béarnaise sauce, or even plain, whether served with lagavulin or even a simple glass of water, These names and experiences will live on in my memory. So here's to you, Charles Mulligan, and your beautiful, beautiful steakhouse. Thank you for bringing your Brigadoon to our world. Thank you. That is all. 
All right, everybody, we're back. Mark, real quick on the deleted scenes. This yeah. week we had about, uh, well, I'm going to guess, five scenes mm-hmm. here. Yeah, running about two minutes and 26 seconds. Um, they were mostly alts, I think, in this case, the, the more than deleted scenes, just, you know, they were taken out. Um, you know, there's an alternative version of, of kind of how the whole Ben approaching uh, Leslie and, and Anne at the bar happens. Uh, there's uh, Chris um, doing well, this was actually a delayed scene. Chris is talking about ligament stretching to Ron, who does not care anything about it and just wants to eat his steak. Mm. Um, there's a scene where Ron explicitly threatens Leslie about mouth steak 20 minutes. Yep, yep, I love it. <laughs> And then there's there's a uh, deleted scene uh, of Ron accepting the award at the Statehouse the next day, where he goes into a filibuster about Mulligan Steakhouse, which was just pretty classic. I think that one's my favorite. Well, Mark, he said, you know, in 1914, Charles Mulligan got drunk, wandered into a field and punched a man to death. That man turned out to be a cow. <laughs> <laughs> that and that cow turned, turned out, out to, to be a delicious, delicious steak. steak. Yep. So there's your origin story from Mulligan Steakhouse. <laughs> Love uh, it. Not to be confused with here in Indianapolis, uh, we have a, a, actually a pretty famous steakhouse um, that people actually know about um, from across the country. St. Elmo's. Yes. Yeah. Which is really famous for their shrimp cocktail sauce and how hot it is. Ugh. Yeah. And the yucky kind of hot for you. If I recall, you're more of a sriracha hot and not so much of a uh, horseradish hot. Yeah. Yeah. We don't do that one anymore. (laughs) (laughs) There's no what happens there. (laughs) Fast bagel. Yikes. Well, Mark, outside of deleted scenes, I know we normally talk about our tropes, our first and fun facts. Um, I had a few in every category, maybe except goofs this week. How about you? I, I think I am the same, good sir. I had no goofs, but I can at least chime in with the others. Fair enough. What yep. you got on your first? For first, I have um, first on-screen appearance of not mention, but first on-screen appearance of fragrance maker Dennis Feinstein. Very nice. Um, I have the first time we mentioned this, um, the first time April assumes her alter ego of Janet Snakehole. But I do want to make a note. This is name only. Because later on, her personality, her personality here in this episode is nothing like the uh, the the posh uh, yeah. widow that, that yeah. is seen after this point. But still, yeah. first mention of the name, the, the angry Italian widow. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, I think it's the first time that Anne's been dumped in her life. So definitely a first for this episode. <laughs> yeah. In her life. And I think to round it out, I think it's the first time. The judges will tell me if I'm wrong that Ron mentions Lagavulin Scotch whiskey. I believe you're right. Because I think when he's kind of going through his scrapbook there in the beginning and he. Yes. Yeah. Which may be about the time that, uh, you know, Nick Offerman bought his stock. I'm not sure. That could be (laughs) what you got for first. I miss any. Uh, I I had a few others um, and I had a couple of those, but nice job on those. Um, I said it's our first trip to Indianapolis. Won't be our last. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, It's it's our. I believe, Mark, and I think somebody tried to prove me wrong about this earlier and was, you know, shown the door, um, that this is our first and I think it's a first one day episode. Like the whole action of this episode happens within a single day. I, I'm Now you've got me thinking about some of the other episodes. I'm wondering if I'm wondering if some of them were one. Let, let's 
I'll give you that one. Put a pen in it. Yeah. We'll do, uh, we'll have Constantine wherever the hell he is. And when he comes back, we'll have him do some research. Right. And we'll find out. Yep. Okay. I mean, what else are you going to have an unpaid uh, producer do? <laughs> He's got to do something. Good Lord. <laughs> and Mark, my last first was what I'm calling um, Aitakimi, which is a Bless long acronym. Yeah, it's delicious. It's a, actually, it's a long acronym for Andy and April. I think those kids might make it. <laughs> It's the first time we kind of see them in this, you know, struggling young couple light. Um, they're both broke. They're, you know, they want to be together. They've expressed that. There's no other conflict in the universe. The conflict now seems to be about how they can have fun with, with only having a little money. Interesting. So, and I think it's going to, I think that theme's coming back. So I'm going to call that a first. All right. Well done. Yeah. How about tropes? Tropes I had... Um I know two that you had for sure. I, I had a slight PBJ for yeah. punching bag Jerry because he's deep in his bath, LOL and yuck. Uh, so no one oh, wants to see that, Jerry. Think that. about that. Yep. I am. I have Bidgey, BDGI. Ben doesn't get it. Yeah, he's got a Bidgey moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also have uh, BMC, Ben mugs to the camera, which often goes hand in hand with it. Um, I have OMG when Tom gives a big open mouth grin to Ben when he's like that. Plan just might work. Bing. Yep. Um, that's all I had. What'd you have? Um, well, I had a bam, a Ben's awkward moment. I think there's a couple of them. And now I'll have to be honest and say that they're not anything like last week. Mm. But that was, you know, extreme 74% bam moments that yeah. whole episode. Yeah. Right. So it's hard to top that. And, and I had Food Driven Ron. I mean, I'm kind oh, of yeah. surprised you missed that one. I did miss that you, one. You invented it and he's your man crush. So yes, he is. And my God, did it happen here. Good job. Yes, yeah. you sure did. Yeah. But I think we both agreed that there were uh, at least no goofs that I was able to find or even that they, I trolled the internets a little bit and, you know, no snarky, uh, you know, trolls were talking about goofs. Right. Yeah. Um, I did have a couple of fun facts here. Um, you know, this episode was written by Katie Dippold, which we mentioned before. And you teed this up last week, Mark. This is the last of six episodes filmed basically right after the end of the second season uh, early because of the shooting schedule needing to be adjusted for Amy Poehler's pregnancy. Right. 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 Well, you know, these episodes were ultimately head for a few, held for a few months during a ske the scheduling hiatus. And at this point, they actually intended this to be Rob Lowe's last episode. Oh, really? And that's why they, because they weren't sure he was contractually going to be able to continue with them. Because if, the way it was filmed, they had not signed their contracts at the time they're writing and producing these episodes because of slamming them on the end of season two. Mm, interesting. So obviously Chris and Ben characters and Adam Scott and Rob Lowe come back. But at the point they're filming this, they don't know that yet. So that's why he's in Indianapolis and he may not be coming back to Pawnee. Of course, he will. Right. And, and this, this episode does make a good potential ending point for him the way that they left it. But like you said, we know that that won't happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very much. And the only other fun fact was the one I already mentioned, which is, of course, the, the tie in to St. Elmo's Steakhouse, which will actually get mentioned in future episodes of Parks and Recreation, which is nice. a real steakhouse and is still there today. Well, Ron's got to go somewhere. He really does. Now that like Mulligan's closed. Yeah. Um, I had I had one fun fact. Um, you know, Alan, we've talked about the connections that many shows have with each other. Like we mentioned uh, earlier, Superstore. 
you know, you yes, have some yeah. some cross, you know, sure. like a, I think we've mentioned community and yep. and, and and Brooklyn Nine Nine, obviously yep. Parks and Rec in the office, yep. blah blah blah. Many of these writers have gone on to become showrunners on those shows. Yes, absolutely. So as we know, um, Jason Manzukas played Dennis oh, Feinstein yeah. uh, in this episode. Well, he has- he will not return my calls. By the way, I'm trying really hard. <laughs> Keep trying, buddy. He also he, he's been in several shows that you and I like, I oh, think. Yeah. But he among them, uh, he also played the character Raffi in the FX comedy series The League. And oh. to date, he is the third actor from that show to appear on Parks and Rec with Nick Kroll in last week's episode Media Blitz as yep. the latter half of Crazy Ira and the Douche. Yeah. And Paul Shear appearing in oh, this course. in the sixth episode of, of season yeah, two Kaboom, Kaboom as yeah. Keith Slertner. So just kind of interesting. That's good. No, a lot of connections to that show. Yep. All right, Mark. Well, should we move in then to our scoring? It's time for scoring, man. The okay. time is now. The time is now. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, my episode MVP was very difficult here. Um, I think that technically I'm going to give it to Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson, but I, I, I'm going to call it a tie between Ron and the April Andy combo because I love them mm. so much in this. So so good job for all of them. Um, but yeah, I, I Ron's my man crush and he just had so many good moments in here. It's hard to not give him that. Yeah, we um, used the word Ron Tastic earlier. Ron Tastic, absolutely. Yeah. So a few notes that I thought that the transition of April and Andy from courting to dating was handled especially well here. Yeah, I I also liked. It was good to see Ben's character loosen up a little bit and realize that he does, in fact, have actual real friends in Pawnee. Um, I noted that with the exception of Jerry, uh, there is a really good use of the deep comedic bench here. I mean, it was pretty well spaced out. Uh, again, Jerry being a notable exception, but he at least got, you know, a PBJ moment at the beginning. That's true. Um I thought that they had a lot of I talked about this earlier. They have a lot of subplots going on in this episode, or I thought they did. But similar to the season one finale rock show, I thought that they did a great job of intertwining all of these stories ultimately together. So so good on them, because I like that one, too, for the way they did that. Good too. Um, in the past, I think I've actually dinged episodes for having too many subplots, like like if you have too many stories and there's not enough meat on, on each one to get into whatever. But here, I feel like it kind of worked and and I'm not 100 percent sure why I just the good writing. And I think we had relationship developments. And I mean, they they ran the gamut. I think there are at least three relationships that either got boosted. Tom Ben fleshed out April, Andy yeah. or resolved and Chris. Yeah. And lots of lots of meme worthy moments. Um, so, OK, Mark score. I'm going to give this a four base score. Uh, I, I, I was going to give it a little bit higher, but I think to be in, in the crazy Mark rubric, I think that this is one of the penalties that's paid a little bit when an episode has a lot of stories crammed together. It's not quite so much like consistent plot wise, just all the way through. So I gave it a four instead of something higher, but got some bonus points. I'm going to give a whole bonus point for a great meat centric performance from episode <laughs> co MVP Nick Offerman. I'm going to give half a point for very nice handling of April and Andy dating. You know, they don't need money. They just like hanging out together. Just really sweet. Yeah. I'm going to give half a point for April 
coming out of her shell when paired with Andy. I like this version mm-hmm. of April where mm-hmm. she's kind of laughing. She's kind of smiling and you know, I, it's different. I like it. Yeah. Um, but only with Andy. Um, I'm going to give half a point for, as I said, the good use of deep comedic bench, uh, except for Jerry, who's deep into his bath. Um, Uh, I'm going to give half a point for uh, Leslie resolving to be there for Anne, no matter what, even giving up the commendation, which was really important to her. I'm going to give half a point for guest star Jason Mantzoukas as Dennis Feinstein. He's always funny. He's a great choice to kind of drive Tom's cologne story forward or perfumery. Um, Half a point for uh, Ben stepping up to the plate and, uh, and to stepping up to console and ultimately avenge uh, Tom <laughs> and realizing, like I said, he does have friends there in Pawnee. And finally, I'm going to give another half point to give me all of the bacon and eggs you have <laughs> because damn, that's funny. So you add up all those points and that's eight and a half little Sebastians. Um, this was a tough one to score. I felt like it was a little bit different from some of the others, but overall, I really, really liked it. I liked the direction they took various relationships. I thought it was a solid performance from just about everyone. What you got? Well, Mark, that's that's an excellent recap of your scoring. I appreciate that. Um, I was fully convinced that in your MVP this week, it was going to be a solid Ron, hands down, no, no holds barred, no discussion. But I like what you did in that I think the April Andy development of that relationship here um, you know, it's been sidetracked so many times. It's been back on track for a while, but we just really haven't, quote, invested in it. And I feel like this episode allowed us to do that and be a part of that. And, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. I know that they've, the producers and writers of this show and some of the actors have talked about how, you know, that was not a scripted thing. Like they weren't planning that. And sometimes as a creator of, of this type of content, you just look for the things that have some legs that you happen organically and to know that that's how this relationship started and that the writers are finding ways to drive it home in an authentic way and make you root for these two young kids who, you know, as I said, might just make it. Yep. Um, that's fun. And, and that's something the audience likes to be a part of. And I know we do as well on the scoring front, Mark, I'm going to agree with you. 8.5. Yay, Yay. I'm right. Yeah. So I think this is only the third time we've ever given the exact same score. Is that right? I, I'm going to go back and count, but it's it's not as often as you'd think it would be. Hmm. We're very frequently in tune where we're maybe a half a point or so. And sometimes I'm a little more generous than you, I think, is the theme we've we've discovered. Right. But but here, this one, I, I just that was my score from the time I started rewatching to the time I finished all my analysis and, and confirmed my score. I never really waffled from it here. All right. Although waffles would have been a great addition to Ron's breakfast. Mm. Uh, I, I, he's really got to flesh out that meat with a side of waffles. Oh, I can't argue with I'm that. I'm hungry. That's, I don't know about you. That's this delicious. episode has actually made me hungry. Yeah, I know where I'm going. I'm going to <laughs> Cup of Joe's. <laughs> Cup of Joe's. Yep. Can we make our own t-shirt for a place that we invented that's adjunctly related to a show we kind of watch? I don't see why all those things you just said couldn't happen. Well, let's do that. Yep. Mark, as I've been doing for a while now, I've got my top 10 moments. Would you like to hear them? Oh, yes, please. Yeah. So I normally do these before the score, but I just wanted to say how well we were in sync this week. A lot like April and Andy. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, they're cuter. Let's be honest. So much. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Top, top 10 <laughs> moments. Is Tom wearing an ascot? Yes, he is. Yes. Um, hey, Doug from Bloomington. <laughs> 
<laughs> who's thinking about buying a shirt. No one cares. No one cares, Doug. Uh, so relatable. Leslie wants Tom to take Ben to make him go to that antihistamine party. <laughs> I love that. Uh, in, in high school, they used to call me Angel Lansbury. That was because of my haircut. Haircut. Um, if the world's largest rocking chair doesn't appeal, then maybe a two-hour sojourn <laughs> to name Madame Gervin's misshapen celebrity castle mark. Uh, I would not go there. I will. I would go there. I would totally would. Um, when Ron is done eating his Mulligan's meal, uh, he will not clean that mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping for those meat flecks of meat. Ugh. There were a lot of LOL yuck moments in this there, episode. There really I didn't were, realize yeah. it. Yeah, there are quite a, quite a few. Yeah. Um, they just boarded up Sullivan's like she was some common warehouse, warehouse. mark. <laughs> uh, again, before allergic, there was attack, yearning, thickening, itch, coma, and side boob. Yeah. All great perfumes. Yeah. You know, I'd be curious what Dennis Feinstein did before he turned to the man's business of perfumery, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, oh, his real name is Dante Fiaro, but they changed to Dennis Feinstein because it's way more exotic and Pawnee. Yep. April and Andy are like Robin Hood. They steal from the club and give to themselves <laughs> <laughs> until they decide to turn it all in, which I did love. Yeah, me too. And then this one time I was dating a guy for a while and then he got down on one knee and begged me to never call him again. <laughs> uh, you know, and that was another thing, too. So many times Annis had Leslie's back. And being a good friend to her and trying to boost her confidence or, you know, repair damage, it's flipped here. And Leslie is working hard, I think, to make Anne feel better after this humiliation of, of being dumped and not knowing, <laughs> which is just fabulous. Well, that's a good point. I mean, Anne has not really had a lot of drama in her life. I no. think I think the most drama was when she was with Andy and Leslie and she were like, kind of friends but not yeah. really to this level they weren't besties so then you know it was the brandanowitz years where they became yeah. better and better friends and there just wasn't a lot of cause or drama for leslie to no this is the first time Anne's ever Anne. been dumped exactly in her life right right you sweet beautiful unicorn Anne. <laughs> <laughs> well mark i feel like that was a great breakdown of this episode i'm glad that you agreed with my correct score as yes. always when we come back and we do our next episode, that episode is going to be episode 3.7, Harvest Festival. Harvest Festival, baby. I'm, I am I have not. I, I always say I'm looking forward to, to the next episode. And while that's always true, I I really, really mean it this time. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to do this episode. I feel like this has been the arc, story arc, the mini arc of season three for sure. It's interesting to me that this arc is going to culminate halfway through a season and not at the end of it, though. Yeah, that is interesting. I was thinking yeah. that too. But I also know in my mind and my memory uh, that season three is among the best seasons. Mm -hmm. And so it's obviously not going to do any damage to what comes after Harvest Festival. But we're going to get this kind of mid-season peak here, I think is what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't wait. It's, it's the culmination to an arc. We got a lot going into this. It's going to be great. Yeah, we got small horses and our ponies. Or I'm not sure what. We got all <laughs> kinds of stuff happening. Because, you know, we, we know that small horses are not funny. No, no. God, no. And they're weird, actually, according to Leslie and a non-canon. That's right. Non-canon. Yeah. It's a what if episode. You know, it is a what if episode. Yep. So timely. Yep. Yes. If anyone else is out there is watching the Marvel what if series, which we're two episodes in as we record this and it's terrific so far. So uh, we will we may replay that scene, that deleted scene next week as part of our coverage for this uh, just for fun. Yep. 
I heard that Tom was actually working with Marvel, making a Marvel what up, but I'm not sure how well that's going to air. I, I think that that might be a stinker as well. <laughs> I think you're probably right. <laughs> a lot like Tommy Fresh. Yep. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us this week. We look forward to talking to you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Contact us.